You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now? A practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to thank you all for being with me here today. So let's begin by calling out to the spirits to join us. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to those who are ancestral helping spirits, those who lived well and died well, those who crossed over to the land of the dead and come back to us to bring us the rich legacy of all that is good and true and beautiful in our family lines. I call out to those people who bring to us the lessons of having lived here in form and met the challenges of their day to bring their own soul's purpose forward, to bring that which is unique to them into full manifestation and to do what they came here to do in a way that was good for themselves, good for their people, good for the environment in which they lived, good for their ancestors and good for their descendants. And I call out to these ancestors that understand how to live in interesting times. I ask them to gather around us here today and to help us, help us, the living, to do what we have been called into manifestation to do. So I give thanks to those ancestors for gathering around us here today, for being with us at all times, but in particularly for holding us here now. And with the ancestors gathered round, our helping spirits and the spirits of the land, let us move from our awareness from our heads to our hearts and our hearts to our bellies and our bellies down the grounding cord into the earth and moving down through all the layers of the earth. And take a moment and reach our energy from our hearts, our energy of love, our energy of gratitude, our energy of our own deep, deep thanks. Um, for giving us this opportunity to be here in the world and bring our gifts out. So I call out uh, to the earth to feel this gratitude and let us extend it out to earth at this time that is so um, an interesting time in her own life cycle. Life cycle that moves through phases unimaginably long from our perspective as humans. But we let our love and our gratitude reach out into all layers of the earth and to give thanks to her for our lives. We give thanks because without her, we would be nothing. And of course, without us, she'd be just fine. So we give thanks to the earth. Reach deep down into the earth and draw the energy of the earth up into ourselves, into these proceedings, into our lives, into this day, and call up the wisdom of manifestation, how to live here in great, rich diversity in a way that that diversity works together in a system, a system of life, a system of love, a system of great beauty. And so we call out to the energy of the earth to help us as humans to understand grounding, place, home, belonging, hearth. The ability to take a stand, to live for what we believe in, and to manifest the life that resonates with our own sense of truth and integrity. And so we call out to the earth's energy to help us to find within ourselves that place in which we are accountable, trustworthy, and dependable. 
And with the energy of the earth moving through us, let us also move into that awareness of connection and interconnection within ourselves, but also between us and others, other living things, other non-living things. And let us connect finally to that sense of oneness and our connection in that great web of life. And we give thanks to the energy of the earth for giving us a place in this great web, for giving us a web of life that is ever-changing and filled with great beauty. And may we allow our sense of our place in that great oneness to bring us into right relationship with ourselves, with others, with the environment, and with the spirit world. And so with the energy of the earth in us, in our proceedings, in our day, let us reach up from our bellies to our hearts and our hearts to our minds and reach up and out through the sky out through the atmosphere and all the way out into the cosmos and all the way to the very highest power of the universe and by whatever way you name or conceptualize this energy to reach out to this energy and to connect and to draw it down into yourself, into these proceedings, into your day. Draw down the energy of blessing, the energy of protection, the energy of generosity and benevolence to reach out into that energy and draw in the sense that you will find in your day the mentors that you need, the champions to your cause, and that you will find the inspiration and the innovation and the creativity needed to do what you've come here to do. And we draw the energy of the sky in, into our heads, into our hearts, and into our bellies, and we allow the energy of the earth and sky to mix and blend within ourselves to that original love, the love of earth and sky, the love of yin and yang, this big love that gives birth to all life and form as we understand it as we experience it and we ask that big love to help us to call forth the spirit of the heart and let our hearts open in the great crucible that can hold the fiery passions of your belly as well as the crystal clarity of your mind in that dance in your heart that allows you to discover through that dynamic tension neither one destroying the other each provoking the other ultimately to show up for you in your heart why you are here And may you find in that very same heart the courage to do something in this day to bring that soul's purpose into manifestation. You don't have to know it clearly. You don't have to be able to write an essay about it. You don't have to find a job title that fits it. All you need to do is to do something today that brings that sense of that energy into manifestation in the world in some way. And may you find the courage in your own heart to do that. So with the spirit energies called around us, I give thanks. I give thanks to the human beings that helped me to make this show possible. I thank, give thanks to Ken, our producer, and Mary at CoCreatorNetwork.com. I give thanks to all of you listeners who have been able to donate financially since last week. I give thanks to Patricia and Deb and Deborah and all of the listeners who have been able to donate. Um, I give thanks to those of you that have um, done something some action. You've been moved in the heart and had some action to help the show to grow and be strong. I give thanks for your questions. I give thanks for your gratitude that you send to me. And I give thanks for your show ideas. And I give thanks particular to those of you that are sending me emails about how you are taking what you are learning by listening to the show into your life, into your shamanic life, into your everyday work life, into your life with your family. There are many, many ways that people are reflecting back the ways they are integrating this, these teachings 
practically into their everyday life. And for this, I am truly grateful. So thank you all for whatever ways, large and small, you are helping the show to grow, to remain vital, to remain free, and to remain available. Um, for those of you who would like to donate to the show, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click on the support button, and you're free to donate any amount, large or small. If you are uncomfortable paying over the internet, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org, and I would be happy to give you a physical address to mail a good old-fashioned check to. Um, for those of you that are interested about upcoming classes, most classes are upcoming in the new year, um, but they will be on the website at lastmasscenter.org. And if you get stuck on that site trying to figure out how to pay for the show, just click on the banner for the show and it'll take you right to the show site. So those shows are linked, although I have gotten some frustrating emails explaining to me they're not linked well enough. So I'll work on that in my uh, time off over the winter. So thank you all for joining me here today. We are continuing. We are forging ahead um, with a few shows here about some deeper ideas or some ideas about how to journey more deeply, how to master the art of shamanic journeying. And um, as I have said uh, many times on many different shows, the discipline of journeying the actual how to do it, the discipline of that technique is easy to learn and anybody can do it. Um, some people might have some reasons initially it's challenging, but those can be overcome with the right assistance. But that basically the ability to journey in and of itself does not make anyone a shaman. It makes us human. Now the mastery of journeying is another story. I'm not saying it's what makes us shamans. I'm just saying the mastery of journeying isn't that the technique gets any more complicated? It isn't that you go off to some wild exotic place. It isn't that you do ayahuasca. It's that you begin to work on three things. The first is how you craft your questions. And we just finished two shows about crafting questions. And I still actually didn't quite get done, but it was close enough. Um, the second thing in mastering the art of shamanic journeying is interpreting your symbolic language. And this is the topic of our show today, is what do we need to consider in life to better interpret our symbolic language? And then finally, the third part of mastery is um, the courage, the trust, the um, creativity to translate the message you've been given by spirit into action in your life and how to work with spirit to co-create your life. And and it's not just working with spirit. It's actually how do you work with spirit and reality to co-create your life? It's very much like um, an artist who has um, an insight, an inspiration, an image, something that comes to them that is the the spark that sparks some piece of art in in their mind, in their heart, in their awareness. And then the artist has to decide what medium will they use to create that in. And then they go about the creating. And so at that point, once an artist chooses a medium and then goes about the creating, it's not just the manifestation of the vision that they've had or the idea or whatever it is. It's the actual creative process of bringing that vision into manifestation in the physical world. So the medium matters. Working with the medium matters. And all the crazy things that happen along the way all matter. And so bringing our 
spirit-driven answers into action in our life in and of itself is an art because the whole excuse of, well, spirit told me to do that isn't a valid excuse. And so there's a little art piece there, and then we'll talk about that next week. So this week, though, we're talking about interpreting our symbolic language. And a couple pieces of business here. I want to take a moment just to acknowledge the fact that I am a bit distracted today. I have many clients, many students, and family members in New York and New Jersey area. And um, this is uh, a a presence in my mind and my heart um, with the hurricane or storm or whatever we want to call it happening right now. And um, I just want them all to know that I am in continuous dialogue with my ancestors and my helping spirits asking that you are all guided and protected and kept safe in this time of change and challenge and um, scariness. (laughs) I think natural disasters are really scary. And um, I just want you to know that um, you are on my mind and in my heart and I am asking that you are all protected. So with that said, we are live here today. Um, You are welcome to call in at 512-772-1938. You are also welcome to email me at christina at lastmasscenter.org. Or you can uh, Skype in from the co-creatornetwork.com site if you would like to Skype in. These are all available to you. If you have a question about the show's topic, and again, the show's topic today is... Um, interpreting our symbolic language. So to understand journeying, you have to remember there's no there there. That the invisible world is, is simply a place of energy that is shaping yourself in the best way possible to answer your question. That... Um, There are commonalities that exist, I don't know, I think because of humanity. I don't know. I don't know all the reasons some commonalities exist in non-ordinary reality. But that basically it is a fluid place. And while it shows up similarly or consistently the same for you, that doesn't mean it's exactly the same for everybody else. And yet it shows up consistently for each individual. And so... My point in all of this is that we must always remember journeying, that we are not going to a constant, um, to an ultimate truth that will always be the same. It's not that the truth is changing, it's that you're changing, and your capacity to understand the truth is changing. And so when we talk about interpreting our symbolic language, in many ways, we're really talking about your symbolic language. Where did it come from? What, what is the spirit world using to communicate to you? What, what is that language they are speaking to you? Where did you get it? Where did it come from? And how we interpret our journeys is influenced by the same things that affect how we interpret life, how we interpret ourselves, how we interpret our own existence. And so while I would love to tell you that interpreting your symbolic language is a really simple thing, you just need to read this book and it's all been figured out, the truth is that interpreting your symbolic language is the most 
changeable aspect, most variable aspect of journeying. Uh, if we were to do the math for interpreting your symbolic language, everything is a variable, including you. Because we certainly hope that you're changing and transforming on a deep level. And so, so there isn't a simple book. I'm not one of those people that really believes that anyone can write a book that's going to help everybody understand how to interpret their symbolic language um, for this exact reason. When I was very young in my work, I was going off to teach um, the number one workshop in the cycle of transformation for only like the second or third time. I was still very, very young in the work and still um, very uncertain. And um, I was doing some journey prep before I went off on this week-long workshop to lead this week-long workshop, which at the time I think was actually an eight-day workshop. But anyway, my point is I was getting ready to leave. I was getting ready to lead, getting ready to be the person that was um, the, the point through which spirit was going to make this workshop happen for these people. And um, I journeyed about uh, – asking for help, asking what did I still need to do to prepare. I think I was actually asking about how I needed to be sort of at the workshop or something. I don't remember the exact question. Anyway, my point is the answer was a bear. (laughs) And generally speaking, we interpret the bear um, as a message about hibernation, gestation, being silent, going within, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, because of the phenomenal aspect of a bear's life, which is they're sleeping through the winter hibernation as well as giving birth while they're sleeping. I mean, it's a huge metaphor for us. But it's not really the right picture before you're about to go and do the most extroverted thing in your life, which is to go teach these workshops. And so I was very confused by the bear. And uh, so finally, I just asked the bear what it was there to teach me. And the bear talked to me about summertime bears and how in the summertime in the Pacific Northwest, the bears stand, used to stand in the rivers and the salmon practically jumped in their mouths. And they scratched their backs wherever they itched and ate berries everywhere and were pretty much fat and happy and, and ran the show. I mean, wh- what better thing in the world would there be but to be a bear in a ancient Pacific Northwest summertime. I mean, it's all about abundance and getting everything you want whenever you want it and just being as happy as a big old bear clam. And what that teaching was, was not so much that I needed to be a summertime bear, but that I needed to stop assuming that anything written in a book was correct about my own helping spirits. That if I had a question, I needed to ask them and listen to their answers. And that this was what I needed to begin to teach the people. Is that our helping spirits are coming to us with unique answers for us. And there isn't a book published that is going to better interpret your journey than you. And you need to ask and you need to pay attention and learn to interpret what your helping spirits are showing you. And that was, that was a big teaching for me was confusing, but it really helped me understand um, that we cannot rely on outside sources to interpret our symbolic language. So your whole life really lies between your perception of your relationship with the universe and the true nature of your relationship with the universe. And so this is the key really to understanding how to interpret your symbolic language is Everything about your 
symbolic language is there. The interesting piece is that gap between your perception of yourself in the universe and the reality of it. And your symbolic language has everything to do with why you perceive yourself the way you do, how you perceive the universe, how you understand your place in that. And your ability then through journeying to start to tap into the true nature of the universe, your true nature, and begin to close that gap between what you expect and perceive and assume and what's really going on here. And that being curious about this and moving into this realm is an aspect of how you're going to learn to interpret your own symbolic language. Now, as I said last week, your helping spirits will meet you wherever you are. And you can make sense out of your first journey intuitively without listening to anything of what I am about to say. So for those of you um, who are just learning to journey, you may not want to listen to this show right now. (laughs) Or if you do, don't let it make you panic. That this show is really for people that have been journeying for a while and who either want or need to go deeper in their journey work. And much of what I'm saying today, because it's really purely a show about symbolic language, applies to the, all of the ways that we access our symbolic language. So much of it applies to dreams and visions and, and um, uh, other ways of accessing this language as well. But I'm going to talk about it in the terms, just in terms of journeying. But it's, it's somewhat universally useful, hopefully. So my first suggestion, if you really want to start to understand your symbolic language, is to begin to explore your relationship with the universe, with the big all that is. Um, you could, I don't necessarily mean just the, the technical, physical universe, but the, but the everything, the big all that is aspect. So the physical universe is the physical manifestation of that. But Everything is more than just its physical manifestation. So begin to explore that. Um, And you can begin by writing down what you perceive is the nature of your relationship with the universe. What is the underlying experience of everything? What, What is it all relative to? I mean, these are big questions. But if you're not starting to ask these questions, what are you doing journeying? I mean, this is this is who you are if you're even journeying. So one way to explore this would be, be would be to begin by making a list, actually several lists. But these are lists of your beliefs, and they can be life-affirming beliefs or fear-based beliefs um, that you have learned. And you want to make a list of what you've learned from your father, from your mother, from your education, from your religion, from your culture or ethnicity, whatever whatever way you think about that, from your time. You know, you, 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 are, you are of a certain time, right? And then just from your own life. Um, and you'll end up with seven different lists of basically positive or life-affirming traits and negative or fear-based traits, beliefs, sorry, beliefs. Um, and really try to keep what you're writing on these lists at a level of belief. For example, you may have learned from your father that you only get ahead in life through blood, sweat, and tears, Maybe that's what he taught you. And the life-affirming belief in that could be my committed and sincere work will be rewarded in kind. You could have a very positive outlook on life that if you just work hard, you'll, you'll get what you want in life. Now, simultaneously, you could also have learned a fear-based belief that I must work for everything because life gives nothing. 
that's possible negative belief that came out of the same man, the same teachings, actually. Um, and that uh, fear-based belief is really kind of a, um, a version of I am not cared for by the universe or I'm not received, I will not receive everything that I need, right? And so, so your lists may not match up like that. There may not be both um, a life-affirming and a fear-based belief for everything. That's not my point. But my point is you can get more than one belief out of one teaching that you received from um, a parent or from your education perhaps that there are many mixed messages in life and um, we may be, you may be carrying very contradictory beliefs about your you and the universe so there may be more um, positive or life-affirming beliefs than there are negative ones or vice versa um, try to be as thorough as you can it's just an exercise to start to understand where your symbolic language is coming from and you may want to think of this as much as you can and then come back to it a couple days later and then maybe a, a third time but anyway once you feel that you've finished exploring what you know um, ask your helping spirit so once you've really really laid out the landscape of your beliefs as you consciously understand them. Then journey. And ask a reliable helping spirit to show you the true nature of your relationship with the universe at this time. And your whole life then is really happening between the version of the universe your beliefs lay down, that landscape, and this answer your helping spirits are giving you about the true nature of your relationship with the universe. And so investigating the true nature of your relationship with the universe relative to your perceived relationship, that's the one formed by the beliefs, um, is a worthy pursuit and will help you start to understand why you see things the way you do. And, it will, and once you begin to notice that and look at that, you can begin to choose relative to it. But the most important thing is you are the biggest variable in interpreting your symbolic language. And it's important for you to begin to understand where your sense of things comes from. And so the most important question then in this arena around um, symbolic language, the most important question is how do I close the gap? And that gap again is the gap between your perceived uh, relationship with the universe versus your true, the true nature of your relationship with the universe. So the true nature of any of our relationships with the universe is simply that we are one with the divine. We are part of that great oneness. That's the true nature of our relationship with the universe. But that's not what most of us learned. At least not in America, especially if you went to public school and went to a church and you know, grew up in a town somewhere. I mean, what if you're a gay kid growing up somewhere in the heartland where you're tortured every day at school? You're not growing up thinking I'm in oneness and everything is love. And so, you know, life happens and teaches us things which may or may not be true. But if they become a belief, we treat them as if they are not only true, but we treat them as if they are reality. And then this is the reality we project onto the spirit world, onto the invisible world. Then there's no there there. So not only are we not 
perceiving the reality, uh, the experience that is there in the spirit world, but we're already bringing our own movie, projecting it onto that screen and utterly um, distorting what's going on there. So symbolic language, I've been talking about this from the beginning of the show today. What is your symbolic language and where does it come from? So your symbolic language is essentially the file of stuff in your head that your dreams are made from. It's the stuff in your head that your journeys are made from. It's the way, it's the images, the words, the sounds, the feelings, the everything that's going on in your head experientially in terms of vision, you know, sight, sound, feelings, um, sensory input, all of that. Um, all that's in your head is available then to be used to communicate with you. All the ideas, all the experiences, everything. And so your symbolic language then is part um, the, a, a universal language and it's part personal. In other words, some of the things that are in our symbolic language are really pretty much there for everybody if you choose to go and journey. But much of your symbolic language is not universal. It is very, very unique to you and has been shaped by your experiences. So perhaps the, when we talk about the universal piece of your symbolic language, it might be more accurate perhaps to talk about it as the transpersonal piece. That might be a better term. And, and for those of you that don't know that term, technically transpersonal means beyond or through the personal. So more than just the personal. And it refers to experiences, processes, and events in which our normal limiting sense of self is transcended and in which there is a feeling of a connection to a larger, more meaningful reality. So that's kind of the technical term of transpersonal. But in the, in the sense of the symbolic language, the way I mean to use it is for those aspects that show up in our uh, symbolic language that are bigger than our own experience. Our, con- our own conscious experience. Um, they are beyond it. They, are, uh, they precede it and they reach beyond what we have any ability to know from our own experience. And that much of those aspects of our symbolic language are shared by all of us. Um, so they not only transcend the personal, but they're also shared. And people go, oh, you mean the collective consciousness. But I don't. Because these are largely things in the beginning people aren't conscious of. So in other words, these, um, the aspects that appear to me to be universal or, or transpersonal in our symbolic language um, are also very much um, present in our unconscious not unconscious as in in denial or in the shadow, but it's just not something that we're even really aware of. It's something we utterly stumble over when we are journeying and things we run into even when we have beliefs that say they shouldn't exist. So, for example, one of the um, main things uh, that would be I would consider universal or part of our 
transpersonal part of our journeying would be experience of things that are like the land of the dead. Now, the land of the dead shows up for many, many peoples traditionally, but it also shows up for contemporary people that don't believe in the land of the dead. Now, the thing about it, though, is it doesn't show up exactly the same way, that the land of the dead can be seen through the lens of a culture and take on certain trappings or costumes, in a sense, uh, based on that culture, but the function of the place remains the same, and it remains consistent cross-culturally. So, And it remains consistent even for people that don't have the belief of the place in their own you know, stories that have shaped their world. So there are crystal cities and a place for reconciling your life after you've died. There's realms of angels and even the sense of the upper world, the middle world, and the lower world, that these are all aspects of our symbolic language that most of us share. We haven't all encountered all of that yet, but we do share these um, aspects of the symbolic language. So, so there is a part of the symbolic language that is universal. And to the extent that we're talking only about these universal aspects of the symbolic language, other people's understanding of these things can be helpful. So for me, the Power Animal card book that I got in the very beginning of my time in New York before I really knew anything about shamanism um, and I got it because when I was doing psychic readings, I kept seeing animals everywhere and I didn't understand what the animals meant. And the animals weren't at that time talking to me. So I bought the power animal book so I could learn what they meant. And in the beginning, it was very helpful. It gave me steps. Uh, I don't mean steps to do. I mean, it, it became footprints on the path for me to follow to get to a place that I could leap off from. So I'm not saying don't buy the books and don't read them. Just at a certain point, you can't limit yourself to them any longer. Anyway, moving right along. Okay, upper world, middle world, lower world. All right, so these three realms are real and they aren't real. And that's the thing about the symbolic language, especially these universal um, aspects of our symbolic language. You know, the land of the dead is real. But how different cultures have described it in and of itself is only real for them. And you may even experience it how they do. But that doesn't mean that that's the only valid uh, interpretation of the land of the dead. You see what I'm saying? So anyway, upper world, middle world, lower world. Big, big shared aspects of non-ordinary reality. Big part of our symbolic language. And yet not all shamanic people buy into that. For them, it's just this world and that world. Not a big deal. They don't worry about upper world, middle world, lower world. And the more – I'm not going off on that tangent. Anyways, but my point is these three realms are an aspect of our shared symbolic language, but they're not a cosmology. Um, they're just a generality of how we as humans experience the invisible world. So they're really part of our symbolic language. In other words, how we understand our experience once we are in the journey world. So some of what you experience in your journeys is universal and some of that symbolic language you experience in your journeys is personal. And by that, I mean completely personal, uh, which means that no one can accurately interpret your personal symbolic language for you. Now, this is a point of some 
it's not really an argument. It's just, I think it's some confusion, particularly in kind of the more core shamanic realm of journeying. And this is where we get into an issue, the issue around initiation, personal symbolic language, and how this comes crashing together as we learn about shamanism today. What we have to remember is most people journeying are not initiated, which means their own personal issues are biasing not only how they see the world, but their questions and their symbolic language. And so not only is their symbolic language personal, but they're very biased in their interpretation. The, the purpose of the initiation is to strip away that unresolved child life and to bring a person into spiritual maturity so they're going to interpret things from a different perspective. Once that's the case, so once a shaman is initiated, then part of their job is to interpret the spirits for the people. Now, that isn't to say they're the only people that journey, they're the only people that divine, that they're the only people in the culture that speak to the spirits, because they aren't. In most shamanic cultures, every adult does. But when push comes to shove, when the big issues arise, when issues arise that are going to affect more than a family or more than one person – the people go to the shaman to make sure their interpretation of the symbolic language is correct. And so as shamanic practitioners, you cannot continue, as you might have learned early on in your journeying, to let other people interpret your journeys. My journey comes to me through my helping spirits in my symbolic language. Because much of that is personal, I am responsible for interpreting it. Not only because in the role of the shaman, because it's my job to interpret it, but because I understand nobody else can because this is my symbolic language and it's my helping spirits communicating to me through it. And, and this whole understanding that, that the symbolic language we're journeying is not 100% universal. A huge part of it is personal. And as someone who is journeying and wanting to get some mastery in journeying, you must give up the idea that you have this journey for another person and then just give them the journey uninterpreted for them to figure out themselves. It's your symbolic language. You need to interpret it. And with that said, as I've said in other shows, in my journeys for other people, I often encounter something that feels foreign. And what I've come to understand over time is those foreign bits are the bits that are a symbol being given to me for the other person. That is not in my symbolic language, but it's in theirs. But the important thing is it feels foreign to me. And that is why I have a very – and I take a very light touch in trying to interpret it and really invite the client to tell me what this means. And it's usually very clear to them what it means and it is given directly for them but everything else is my responsibility to interpret and it's important for us to understand that our symbolic language is not 100% shared it is only partially shared beyond that it's your symbolic language it comes from your life experience and only you can truly interpret your journeys and that's the challenge especially in a culture that's not initiating its people I get it. It's a messy bit in the whole story, but I'm going to move along anyway. Okay, so your personal symbolic language, and this is a really important part because this is the juicy bit of your symbolic language. The universal part we all share is a little bit kind of the 
big boring stuff. The really interesting part of your symbolic language is yours. And it's shaped by the pivotal events of your life. And however you... Sorry. Those events um, and exploring those events and knowing where you are around those events really helps us to see... or challenges you to begin to look back into your own mind. Uh, and that's, you know, that's very much like living in an Escher drawing. I mean, it's hard for us to look into our own mind, but it's important to do that if you want to start to understand how the helping spirits are speaking to you, why they're communicating to you the way that they are. Um, so one of the ways you can explore this is to make a list of the pivotal events that have shaped your life. Truly, just reflect back from the very beginning of your life. What are the pivotal events that have shaped your life, both through terrifying you or through elating you? I mean, all, whatever they are. Your house burned down. um, Somebody died. um, You were honored for something you didn't even know you'd done such a good job on. um, You got picked third choice to end up going to that debate team competition and you actually won. I mean, whatever the pivotal events of your life are that changed you, shaped how you see yourself, how you see the world, what your beliefs are, that these pivotal events are important to understand. So you make that list. When you've got that list complete, then journey and ask your helping spirits to show you the life-shaping events you have forgotten. And then journey and ask them to show you the life-shaping events you did not realize were life-shaping. In other words, big events you've had in your life that you have not allowed yet to shape you. So when you combine these two lists, the pivotal, pivotal events that you know about and the pivotal events you were just shown in your journey, you have really the core there of your personal symbolic language. So your personal symbolic language is your shorthand with the spirit world. In other words, you, your life, your helping spirits invested time, energy, and other resources in your having of those pivotal life-changing experiences. And the big messages were communicated to you through those experiences or not if you haven't yet actually figured out what that was all about. But the point is you, your life, your helping spirits have already invested time and energy in moving you into those experiences and having you have those experiences. And they shape how you see the world and they shape whether you're seeing the world accurately or inaccurately. And because you are living, you are changing. I mean, I would hope anyone listening to the show is living in a way that is passionate and engaged and thus you're changing and hopefully even transforming. And this means that your symbolic language is also changing with you. You are the big variable here and your symbolic change. And I don't mean willy-nilly every time your life goes up or down, your symbolic language is changing. That's more like weather, right? No, what I mean is If we are engaging passionately in our lives, we are periodically having pivotal life experiences. If you are not having, if you can't even, can't remember a pivotal life experience, you're not living your life very passionately. 
because you can't not have them if you're engaging and being passionate. So if your life is bland and there are no pivotal events, you've simply done everything that was expected of you and um, gone through the motions, then that in and of itself, well, A, is a problem, but B, becomes an aspect of why you're challenged with your symbolic language because you haven't been paying attention to the symbols. You haven't been learning what your life is wanting to teach you. Anyway, moving along. So your personal symbolic language. So I worked with a woman who had a very um, frightening and painful experience of incest in her own home. And she had gone on in her life and done great healing, great transformation, great training. She's an excellent therapist at this time. And um, she began to work with me and we did all the expected soul retrieval, etc., shamanic healing work. And she felt great. And then all of a sudden, this new engagement of a piece of that hopelessness and that original pattern, those patterns from the pivotal life events of the incest returned. And so my point here is this woman's already changed hugely twice. There's this way of seeing the world from having been incested. And then that way of seeing the world is changed as she gets her soul parts back and begins to integrate them. And her whole connection with her symbolic language changes as she changes. And then she notices this old pattern resurfacing in this new life it shouldn't be surfacing in. And so now instead of that hopelessness being the way in which she saw the world, part of her own sense of the true, of her her perceived relationship with the universe, right? Instead, she recognizes it as an old pattern, something aberrant, something not part of her relationship with the universe. And so she asked for another healing to deal with it, and we were taken to do ancestral healing. And we actually went to the ancestor that was the beginning of the pattern that had resulted in the father's incest, uh, perpetrate, being the perpetrator. The ancestor, so, so we do the ancestral healing. The ancestor changes, and this particular ancestor comes back as an ancestral helping spirit, as a really powerful male ancestral helping spirit so now the life pivots again that so her personal story and her personal life is pivoting around big events and this is changing then the symbolic language she's being communicated through and it's changing her ability to understand it and interpret it so once you have your two lists of these pivotal life-shaping events what you need to then look at is um, your integration of these life-changing events, of these pivotal life events, especially the things that came up in your answers of what you had forgotten or what you never realized were life-shaping. Because if you never realized it was life-shaping, you haven't integrated it yet, right? And so one aspect is the degree to which you've integrated the things on your list about pivotal events, The next uh, issue would be the extent to which you have completed the process itself. I mean, if it was meant to be a life-shaping event and you never completed it, it hasn't shaped you yet. And so how do you re-engage with that and understand how to complete that pivot, basically, how to complete that experience and complete that change? 
And another aspect here of your symbolic language has a lot to do with your willingness to draw something to its logical conclusion. So as I interpret my symbolic language, the big, this, is, this is the classic journey symbolic language snafu. If people journey, eventually they're going to have a journey where you're helping spirits largely ignore your question because what you really need to understand over and above all of your little questions is how deeply you are part of the love of the universe, the energy, not the personal love, not the selfish love, not the small love, but the love that is the energy that glues everything together and moves everything around that is, that is life. And most of us experience this as our helping spirits in some way, kind of pouring the love of the universe into us so that we sort of surrender and give up and experience it and know our place in the universe, know deeply that we are loved, know that we are worthy, that we are valuable. We know all those things. And so we come out of that journey. People are always weeping and it's wonderful. And they've had their love of the universe journey. Now, What do you do with that journey? How do you interpret it? The majority of the people pack it back up and stick it back in their perceived relationship with the universe and continue to think they are unworthy, unlovable, and unwhatever because they don't interpret that journey and bring it through to its logical conclusion in their lives. The logical conclusion of that journey would be because I am one with all things, because I am the love of the universe and the universe loves me, because it's all about love and that I am innately worthy of that love, I'm innately valuable, I am that love, then all of my insecurities that have to do around love, not being lovable, not being valuable, etc., 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 are null and void. That's the interpretation of that journey. It's not just, ooh, I had this great experience in my journey. I love my helping spirit. It's, ooh, I had this great experience in this journey. And what this means then is everything else, every other belief I carry in my life that says anything contrary to this great truth of being of the love of the universe and being loved by the universe needs to be deleted. And I now need to go rigorously on the path of transforming each of those beliefs. That's the interpretation of that journey. So this is is the thing about our, the personal part of our symbolic language and really processing that and getting to understand that is we need to look at the pivotal events in our life, which become the shorthand then. So what do I mean by that? I had a very um, drawn out and painful experience in my mid-20s with a drug addict whom I loved dearly. And he, at the time, for the next 20 years of my life, was the love of my life. And I walked out on him and went thousands of miles away and ended that relationship. And it was obviously a pivotal experience in my life with many, many teachings inherent in it, which I processed for years after not process the same teaching for years, but the teachings came one after another after another as I came to understand each one. Now, as I journeyed, eventually learned to journey going forward, I could ask some complex question and all they would need to do is show me a headshot of the guy. And I would get that it was all about that. 
and that they didn't have to explain the whole thing over to me because I'd processed that life experience. It was pivotal. It changed me. I got it. I got the teachings. So I don't need it to be explained to me again. I just need to see the headshot. And I know that we're talking about those teachings that all I needed to be, you know, that you only need to be shown that mountain and you're reminded of everything you learned when you summited that mountain, that you only need to be shown again the bone sticking out of your thigh when you broke your leg and you remember all of those teachings around that experience, how you lost your chance in the big leagues and how you narrowly missed killing your best friend because you were both drunk driving that car. You know, it's your shorthand with the world, with the spirit world. You need to learn your language. And so your helping spirits are using these experiences because you think you know what they meant. I mean, they think you know what they meant. So that's really the juiciest part of your symbolic language is, your, is the personal part, is what comes from your life. Have you integrated your life? Have you completed the processes that you were in? And have you drawn things to their logical conclusions? So what you can do then with this list of these pivotal events is ask yourself, how do these events then color how I see the world? Because you've also just connected in earlier to what is the truth of your relationship with the universe? So you look at these pivotal events. How do they color the world? What do I need to let go of? And what do I need to hang on to? What has my life already taught me that I need to hold on to and let that become my belief system? And what do I hold here that is damaging and undermining? And what do I need to let go of? So another part of your symbolic language then also comes from your experiences prior to being in this body. So I think, I think people really misunderstand the value of past lives at this time. We're, we're very confused right now. That past lives, often in a past life, we've gained great resources to bring to bear in this life. And that sometimes the helping spirits communicate with us through languages or symbols or experiences we had in another life because we had a great deal of mastery around that in that life. And so if your helping spirits persist on using something that makes truly no sense to you in this life, do some research. Find out what it's about because as you begin to do the research, you'll probably trigger the memories of those of that past life more fully within you and then you'll begin to understand why your helping spirits are, you know, leaving symbols in Sanskrit for you or something like that. They, they do know what they're doing. It's just we don't always understand it. Um, and so these um, past lives then can give us a way of understanding the invisible world differently. Um, the other thing that's important though is we're actually supposed to also be paying attention to the experience between the lives. Not just the past, the lives of incarnation but what's happening in between the lives of incarnation. 
that our soul's trajectory isn't just the lives, but it's a life as a human and then what happens between then and the next life as a human. And all of these are part of what our soul actually knows. And when we're journeying, you know, the, the energy world is, connect, is communicating with us as an energy being, which so it means it's communicating more to our soul really than to our head. And so part of understanding and interpreting your symbolic language is realizing you're bigger than the person you are in this life. I mean, you don't even, most of us don't even understand the potential of who we are in this life. But the bottom line with really understanding your symbolic language is remembering you're bigger than just the man or woman you've come here to be this time. And you're helping spirits know that. You're helping spirits may have even been with you in other lifetimes. And so don't just throw up your hands and get frustrated that they keep dropping symbols of Sanskrit into your journeys. Pay attention. Do some research. Um, Find out why they're using a symbolic language you think you don't understand because there's probably good reason and you probably could understand. So the thing that most of us forget about though is of course the part between the lives and um, now you see why I'm saying that really understanding our symbolic language um, requires being able to manage a bunch of variables and understanding that we're a bunch of variables. But the bottom line with interpreting your symbolic language is that you must trust yourself. You must trust your heart and your soul in their ability to intuitively interpret what your mind has recorded in a sense in the journey. So the mind's job in the journey is to hold the focus of the question as a through line through the journey and to record, to memorize the journey experience that you have. And not just in the mind, but the feelings, the sensation, the awareness. So it's a multi multi-dimensional recording. And it's a big job for the mind. And it, the mind really needs to do that part. And then the interpretation of the symbolic language is an entirely different state of being. Where we are resident in our body, listening to our truth cord. Um, resonating in our heart and allowing our intuition and our soul to help us to understand the meaning of this experience we've just had in the journey. And in particular, not abstract meaning, but how does this experience answer this question? And to really stick to that part of the discipline and the interpretation. How does this experience ask, answer this question? And to pose that puzzle to yourself and to let your heart and your soul respond to that, not your head analyzing it. All right? Because it's an intuitive language. And so I would say the most important thing then, we close this half of the show here today, is that you need to remember that the state of being in which you have a deep and rich journey is an entirely different state of being from which you would accurately interpret that journey. So take your journey, have a great time, record it with your mind and your body, come back, write it down, and then begin the interpretation, which is a very different intuitive process. So I'm halfway through what I prepared to talk about here today. So I guess next week will be part two of interpreting your symbolic language. Tune in for that exciting show. 
And um, so next week we'll explore uh, the rest of some other ideas about interpreting your symbolic language. Um, so I want to give thanks to the ancestors for gathering around us here today and supporting us as we remember what they are whispering constantly in our ears. Give thanks to the earth below, the sky above, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for joining me this week. Be safe and have a great week. <laughs>